Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. This is a joy as we've spoken with Roger Ferguson, the former vice chairman, with Cass Sunstein of Harvard on impeachment, one of the moments uh, of, of this September. We speak to David Lipton now, who I believe is title as of this. I'm looking at my watch, and I think we've got like a two-hour tick as acting managing uh, director. David Lipton joins us uh, now, certainly and without question, Dr. Lipton, the American representative to the uh, International Monetary Fund to get an update. And it is truly a day of celebration for the International uh, Monetary Fund. Kristalina Georgieva uh, of Bulgaria, truly a frontline academic, will join the IMF. Is it in a matter of hours, Dr. Lipton? Yeah, this week is a big week of transition for us. We have Christine Lagarde departed. We'll be celebrating her this weekend. We expect uh, Kristalina Georgieva to be approved by our decision body, mm-hmm. the executive board, in a matter of hours, and she'll be managing director starting Monday morning. It's an extraordinary transition of geography, yeah. and, and tone is, is well, uh, the uh, former leader of the World Bank, of course, esteemed in international economics uh, for years. What is the shift like within the institution? Is it just business as usual? Well, we're very good at transitions. This yes. happens uh, quite a bit. The institution is used to it, ready to help her uh, take the helm. You know, you're right. She has vast experience. Not only is she from Europe, but her experience across emerging and developing economies in her work uh, in, 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 uh, the, in Europe and at the World Bank, I think gives her a huge reservoir of support from our membership, uh, really very broadly emerging market countries. <coughs> correctly say this is the first uh, yeah. uh, managing director from an emerging market, uh, Bulgaria. <laughs> so everyone's very excited, and I, I, I'm looking forward to this transition myself. I, I remember the first-rate Bulgarian mathematics of the Koran School at New York University, and the academics are just extraordinary. I find it fascinating here within the tone of modern capitalism, like Angela Merkel coming out of East Germany, that uh, 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 that Kristalina Georgieva came out of the Karl Marx Higher <laughs> Institute of Economics. It may, I mean, there's a, this is a real shift. Well, I mean, you this have, is you not have thesis, antithesis, and now we're going to have synthesis. Ah, that's our takeaway. It's really interesting, Paul. Please, <laughs> David. So, as the new managing director comes in, David, what do you think is the one of the key challenges facing the IMF right now? You know, we see. Uh, uh, risks to growth in the short term, and we've had a period of slowing growth in the core economies for a number of years. You know, after all, just two years ago, global growth was closer to 4%, and now right. it's closer to 3%. So in this era where there's questions about integration and interconnectedness and multilateralism, the challenge is to get our members to cooperate, to uh, ward off the risks, to try to secure continued growth uh, and to promote faster growth <coughs> in the future. So I think it'll be a growth orientation uh, achieved through international cooperation. One of the threats to that growth orientation is uncertainty that we have in the global economy, yeah. principally from trade issues and uncertainty about global trade. How does that play into kind of uh, the mandate at the IMF? Well, we do see trade tensions and oh, the uncertainty <laughs> around that as as the number one risk. Yes, okay. But, but you know, 
and, and that it is important that the U.S. and China sit down and resolve this through dialogue. And I think that will mean China having to deal with some of the shortcomings in policies yeah. that are um, causing spillovers, that are causing discontent in other countries around the world. But that said, there are other uncertainties too. Brexit is a huge uncertainty. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, th th there are geopolitical uncertainties in the, in, in the tensions with Iran, various others. And so if uncertainty is uh, allowed to continue, this slowdown in trade, which is bringing a slowdown in investment, may become uh, a crippling problem for the global economy. It's not our base case. Our base case is for continued growth. Um, and it really is uh, important that the <coughs> world work together to try to address these uncertainties right. and not have unforced errors. Well, let's get out front of the, uh, the meetings that you'll have here in a number of weeks. You'll release a World Economic Outlook, the Green Book, the Stability. I can't remember the color of the books right now. You keep changing them, I mean, David. But the bottom line is what our audience wants to know, our global Wall Street audience wants to know, is the second derivative right now. I look at Korean export-import numbers, the German numbers. The other day, I'm not asking the acting managing director to have these memorized, but you're very aware of the gamma, the convexity, the accelerations that are out there right now. How urgent is it? I think that the way to think about this is that uh, with the trade tensions, we're seeing trade investment and manufacturing slowing, and that's very broad. But at the same time, consumer sentiment, consumer spending, and service sector is very strong. And so the question is, wh what will happen in the future? Will the um, difficulties in the business sector eventually impair consumer sentiment and slow things down? Or will the mm -hmm. consumer strength uh, and service sector strength eventually uh, help pull business up? That's possible if we're able to reduce uncertainties right. for the future. So I think the, uh, you know, to me the bottom line is uh, growth is slowing, uh, risks are growing and policymakers need to get going, and that rhymes and is easy to remember. <laughs> so, David, well, David Lipton with us of the International Monetary Fund, the acting managing director here, uh, as we celebrate Kristalina Georgieva uh, of Bulgaria will become the new managing director, replacing Christine Lagarde. Uh, Christine Lagarde will become the president of the European Central Bank. I'm not going to ask you to get out front of negative interest rates in the ECB. <laughs> that would be rude. But I can I ask no, you, fine. I can ask you, David, the questions of our uh, Buenos Aires office. They have a lot of questions of how the IMF will handle the original experiment that is Argentine uh, political economics, even social economics. What's the next step for the IMF? with an ever-dynamic Argentina? You know, Argentina's situation right now is extremely complex. They've had a shock based on the political <coughs> results of a, uh, of a primary, mm -hmm. and in that setting have had to take some very strong measures to try to calm things down. And I think they have calmed markets down. So our job in this setting is to help them get through this period, give them advice, work towards uh, an, an eventual uh, uh, resumption of a relationship between, of, of some kind of financial relationship with them, which may have to wait a while. Um, but we're, we're in discussion. They are, the minister uh, is uh, going to be in Washington uh, having discussions with our team uh, shortly, and we'll be continuing those discussions at the, uh, the annual meetings that you mentioned that come up in, later in October. You know, we're trying to help Argentina 
deal with a very difficult situation, and they're working hard to do that. David, do you think the political will exists in Argentina today to move that country you forward? You ask the rude questions. <laughs> Argentines want to stabilize their country and resume growth. I think everyone shares <clears throat> that. Uh, it's not our business to try to uh, 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 divine the political path forward. We can't do that. But we're standing ready to help whichever uh, side wins the presidential election and uh, help them find the best way forward for the sake of the Argentine people. The hallmark of the modern IMF is transparency of data. What do you do in any given nation where you have a quoted, in this case, Argentine peso in a black market set with a greater depreciation. How yep. does an institution like you deal with the multiple markets of currency or yield day to day? Look, there are places where data are, are a big problem, like Venezuela, where the data flow uh, has stopped. But that's not the case in Argentina. We've dealt with countries <clears throat> that have parallel markets in many, many circumstances before. That's not a big challenge. You know, they've had to put on capital controls in, in the midst of the market developments that they've had. And when you have capital controls, of course, some people try to um, uh, look for another way to uh, move money out of the country and parallel rates uh, arise. Uh, I think that's something that we can uh, monitor and we can help them over time uh, deal with. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I think the bigger, the bigger issues there are how to uh, calm the markets and stabilize the situation so that uh, there can be a an administration after the election that makes longer-term plans and policies that can help uh, bring a stabil lasting stability and growth to Argentina. You mentioned that it's a very complex issue, obviously. Is there any sense of timing based upon your discussions with the administration of maybe how this might play out? No, it's too soon to, too soon. to be able to say that. I mean, we, we, we're having discussions with them. Those will be continuing in Washington this week and then again mm. during the meetings. You know, their election is coming up later in October. Uh, it's, it's just uh, not right. something one can foresee. If you're just joining us, a few more minutes with David Lipton of the International Monetary Fund, of course, out of Wesleyan and Harvard, has sterling economics over the years. And I always, David, love to go back with you to your tenure with Jeffrey Sachs on Russia. Could we get you have a visceral, I would suggest you and Professor Sachs have more of a visceral understanding of the Russian economic experiment out of 1989 than anyone breathing. And give us an update on Putin economics in the the strength of Russia right now. He had a difficult Moscow election. Granted, that's a one-off. But give us an update on Russia is a frontier economy, an EM economy, or a G8 nation. Yeah, the, the Russian economy has been managed very well from the standpoint of macroeconomic stability. They've been very careful about their uh, maintaining a s sound budget. As a result, they have almost no uh, federal debt uh, the, the, you know, President Putin has given strong mandate to his central bank governor, Naviulina, to uh, make sure that inflation is under control. That's not the issue. They have, as, as a result of their, the oil situation and the uh, economic situation and the sanctions, they have a low growth rate. When we project their growth rate forward, we see it as lower than or roughly the same as Europe in per capita terms. Now that what that means is we are not foreseeing Russian standards of living catching up or going in the direction of catching up to Europe. That's a problem because they're 
their, their standard of living is lower than Europe and they should be able, they should be aspiring to raise that standard of living. So I think the challenge for Russia is the broader long-term business model question right. of what is their strength? Where they, they, they are a country with great uh, education and great technological prowess. The question is how to build a system that has a stronger private sector drive in the adoption and use of technology in ways that will bring prosperity to Russia. That's the challenge. I think they understand that, uh, but that's the challenge. But this is fascinating because uh, with you and Jeff Sachs at the nascent capitalism uh, of the collapse of the Soviet Union, you go to the era, I'm going to say, of the oligarchs or whatever that means, how do you perceive Russian capitalism forward? Do they move beyond the early models of the 90s and the 2000s? Well, I don't know quite how they get from where they are to what I'm talking about, because I think it does mean uh, having a system in which there's a more vibrant private economy with true competition and uh, corporations that are able to uh, compete with global counterparts mm -hmm. and be modern and it's I think it's not happening su sufficiently at this point and uh, to me the, the challenge for them is to find a way to have a more uh, vibrant vigorous dynamic private sector. David are we seeing direct private investment in Russia today just give us a sense of are companies Western companies investing in Russia? I think it's modest and more modest than before the uh, the uh, uh, conflict in Ukraine, which right. led to okay. sanctions and uh, great hesitancy on the part of uh, uh, companies from a number of Western countries uh, uneasy about their participation. David Lipton, thank you so much. We look forward, all of us at Bloomberg, to your meetings here in thank October. You. He's, I'm going to say this to the acting managing director. One more time. Do we, one more time. <laughs> Till Monday. Uh, as we truly celebrate uh, the changing of the guard at the uh, International Monetary Fund. Kristalina Georgieva uh, will take over as managing director, of course, Frontline Economics from Bulgaria. Dr. Lipton, thank you so much for joining Thanks, uh, Bloomberg Thanks, Surveillance. Paul. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide. I'm Bloomberg Radio.